Welcome to episode 84 of I Wrote This News. Today is Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. Every weekend, we will give you a wrap-up of the week's events, highlighting and expanding on listener favorites from the week. Let's dive in. Story number one, release the Kraken. Pipe. In the weeks between the 2020 presidential election and the January 6th attack on the Capitol, Ginny Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, sent a barrage of text messages imploring President Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to take steps to overturn the election results. In one message sent in the days after the election, she urged Meadows to, quote, release the Kraken and save us from the left taking America down, invoking a slogan popular on the right that refers to a web of conspiracy theories that Trump supporters believed would overturn the election. In another, she wrote, quote, I can't see Americans swallowing the obvious fraud, just going with one more thing with no frickin' consequences. We just cave to people wanting Biden to be anointed. Many of us can't continue the GOP charade. Many of Ms. Thomas's post-election texts are rambling, with little attention to punctuation, and they run the gamut. She calls November 3rd's election day, quote, the greatest heist of our history, and repeats debunked conspiracy theories, including one pushed by QAnon that falsely alleged that voter fraud had been discovered in Arizona on secretly watermarked ballots. The text traffic also suggests that Ms. Thomas was in contact with Jared Kushner, the former president's son-in-law and advisor, and Sidney Powell, the lawyer advising Trump's campaign team known for unleashing wild theories about voting fraud, comes up repeatedly. On November 13th, for instance, Trump included Powell in a tweeted list of his team's lawyers. That same day, Ms. Thomas urged Meadows to support Powell and said she had also reached out to Jared to do the same, writing, quote, just forwarded to your Gmail an email I sent Jared this morning. Sidney Powell and improved coordination now will help the cavalry come and fraud exposed and America saved. Here's Powell at a press conference trying to expose how the voting systems had been rigged against Trump. Now, the software itself was created with so many variables and so many back doors that can be hooked up to the internet or a thumb drive stuck in it or whatever, but one of its most characteristic features is, is its ability to flip votes. It can set and run an algorithm that probably ran all over the country to take a certain percentage of votes from President Trump and flip them to President Biden which we might never have uncovered had the votes for President Trump not been so overwhelming in so many of these states that it broke the algorithm that had been plugged into the system. And that's what caused them to have to shut down in the states they shut down in. That's when they came in the back door with all the mail-in mail -in ballots, many of which they had actually fabricated. Some were on pristine paper with identically matching uh, perfect circle dots for Mr. Biden. The moral of the story here is that if you run around sticking your thumb drive in a bunch of back doors, you're going to take someone's algorithm out. I guess it's not cool to make fun of someone who is so detached from reality, but it's even more really not cool for a sitting Supreme Court justice to not recuse himself from cases that are directly related to the attack on the Capitol and the legality of activities focused on overturning the election. Or, put more bluntly, maybe all that recent attention on a Supreme Court nominee would be better focused on a sitting Supreme Court justice. Story number two, your jumpsuit matches your spray tan, Mr. Ex-President. A federal judge said Monday that then-President Donald Trump, quote, more likely than not committed federal crimes in trying to obstruct the congressional count of electoral college votes on January 6th of last year. The determination from U.S. District Court Judge David Carter came in a ruling addressing scores of sensitive emails that Trump ally and conservative lawyer John Eastman had resisted turning over to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th riot and related efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election result. 
Eastman wrote key legal memos aimed at denying Democrat Joe Biden's victory. The judge was assessing whether Eastman's communications were protected by attorney-client privilege and was analyzing in part whether Eastman, Trump, and others had consulted about the commission of a crime. Attorney-client privilege doesn't cover situations in which both the client and the attorney are engaged in criminal conduct. Based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021, wrote Carter. Trump spokesman Taylor Butowich called the ruling absurd and baseless and said it was an example of, quote, how the left is weaponizing every branch of government against President Trump. But even Trump's partner in more likely than not crime noted that this was a possibility. About three weeks ago, Eastman stated in a filing to the court that, quote, were this court to sustain the defendant's claims, it may be the first formal finding of presidential criminality by a federal court in United States history. The bottom line is that after having lost a legitimate election and then having come up dry in repeated attempts to prove election fraud before several courts across the country, Team Trump cooked up a plan to overturn the election that had no legal basis. A law and order president, indeed. Story number three, tanks for nothing. President Biden is defending controversial remarks he made over the weekend in which he appeared to call for regime change in Russia, off-script comments that were quickly walked back by his administration. But Biden walked back the walking back in comments before reporters on Monday, saying, quote, I was expressing the moral outrage that I feel, and I make no apologies for it. Over the weekend, actor and walking steroid Sean Penn attempted to browbeat the Academy of Motion Pictures into giving Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky a slot at the Oscars on Sunday night, and threatened to smelt his statuettes unless Zelensky was allowed to make a speech. The Academy demurred. In the meantime, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is leading his country to fight back against enormous odds, dodging assassination attempts and deep fake videos claiming he'd surrendered to Russia, negotiating with Qatar to increase their oil production, giving interviews to independent Russian journalists in an attempt to get his message to everyday Russians, and whose negotiators appear to have been poisoned during peace talks with Russia. So, what we have here is what we have always had, powerful white dudes mansplaining moral outrage and putting themselves in the spotlight. Even Will Smith got in on the action at the Oscars, losing his temper and slapping Chris Rock over a bad joke about Smith's wife. The result? The headlines zeroed in on Smith, taking attention away from the accomplishments of those honored at the awards ceremony. Guys, here's my suggestion. Step up to actually help, or sit down and keep your feelings to yourself. Story number four. When I said free speech, I didn't mean that free. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on Tuesday lashed out at the Walt Disney Company after the company said Florida's parental rights and education bill, dubbed Don't Say Gay by Opponents, should be repealed. DeSantis, a Republican who signed the bill into law on Monday, was reacting to a tweet from Disney calling on the state legislature to repeal the law or for the courts to strike it down. DeSantis said, quote, I think they crossed the line. We're going to make sure we're fighting back when people are threatening our parents and threatening our kids. Governor. Precisely which line did Disney cross by daring to verbalize in public that they disagreed with legislation you promoted and passed? In January of last year, DeSantis argued that combating the repression of political speech was, quote, the most important legislative issue of 2021. Aha, uh -huh, sure you do. Among its controversial measures, the law forbids instruction on sexual orientation and gender identity from kindergarten through third grade. While signing the bill, DeSantis said, quote, we will make sure that parents can send their kids to school to get an education, not an indoctrination. He made the remarks flanked by young children at Classical Preparatory School which, as a charter school, will not be affected by the law. Opponents of the law, DeSantis said, quote, support sexualizing kids in kindergarten. They support injecting woke gender ideology into second-grade classrooms. 
That's news to teachers such as Paula Stevens, who teaches first grade at Eisenhower Elementary School in Clearwater, Florida. After all, Stevens says, teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity isn't part of the first grade curriculum, but talking about families is part of her curriculum, and some of her students may have two moms or two dads. It makes me wonder, she says, when I talk about families in my classroom, am I going to be violating this law because the children were having discussions about what their family looks like? The law sponsors say that's not the intent, but Stevens fears the law's language is so vague that it will have a chilling effect. So, if as an effect of this law, teachers can't create a supportive atmosphere for children whose parents are in a same-sex relationship, who is injecting whose quote gender ideology into the classroom, who is fragile now. Story number five, I can't unsee that. First-term conservative and Foghorn Leghorn wannabe representative Madison Cawthorn said he received party invitations along the lines of, well, hey, we're going to have kind of a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come, to which he thought to himself, quote, then you realize they are asking you to come to an orgy. Hawthorne also claimed to have seen other people who are leading efforts to eradicate drug addiction using cocaine in front of him. Arkansas Republican and guy who might be protesting too much Steve Womack remarked that many lawmakers go to bed at 9 p.m. and still use fax machines and flip phones, stating that it was inappropriate to paint them with a broad brush, as Cawthorn did, implying that he's far too square to get invited to these sorts of things. But perhaps the most egregious claim Cawthorn made is that the orgy participants were lawmakers in their 60 seconds and 70 seconds. And nothing is more arousing than the thought of folks like Charles Grassley and Richard Shelby getting their wild things on. Thanks for the image that is now seared into our minds, Madison. April 2nd is the 92nd day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. 273 days remain until the end of the year. Today is also International Children's Book Day. On this date in 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon first sights land in what is now the United States state of Florida. Honestly, some of us wish that he'd just overslept. 1792, the Coinage Act is passed establishing the United States Mint. 1863, the largest in a series of Southern bread riots occurs in Richmond, Virginia. The Southern bread riots were events of civil unrest in the Confederacy during the American Civil War perpetrated mostly by women in March and April 1863. During these riots, which occurred in cities throughout the South, women and men violently invaded and looted various shops and stores. The riots were triggered by the women's lack of money, provisions, and food. All were the result of multiple factors, mostly related to the Civil War. 1956, as the world turns and the Edge of Night premiere on CBS, the two soaps become the first daytime dramas to debut in the 30-minute format. 1972, actor Charlie Chaplin returns to the United States for the first time since being labeled a communist during the Red Scare in the early 1950s. 2015, four men steal items worth up to 200 million pounds from an underground safe deposit facility in London's Hatton Garden area in what has been called the largest burglary in English legal history. Celebrating birthdays today are radio host Dr. Demento, country western songwriter Sonny Throckmorton, actress Linda Hunt, baseballer Reggie Smith, poet Ann Waldman, actress Pamela Reed, pioneering pilot Rosemary Bryant Mariner, biologist Caroline Dean, actor Jesse Plemons, and radio host and hypnotist Roy Masters. He turns 94 today. Happy birthday to all of them, and if your birthday is today, a very happy birthday to you as well. By the way, if you or someone you know is having a birthday and would like us to announce it on the show, leave us a voice message or send an email. The links are in the show notes. Today's news was brought to us by the New York Times, The Washington Post, Yahoo News, NPR, CNN, The Associated Press, The Wall Street Journal, Deadline, Politico, The Intelligencer, and the website that I visit more often than my father even though he's recovering from hip surgery.
Wikipedia. If you have a comment or a question about anything you've heard today, or if you have a suggestion, please send us a note at I wrote this news. All one word, at thatradioshow.com. That email address one more time is I wrote this news, all one word, at thatradioshow.com. One more thing, if this podcast sounds a little funny, that's because it's also an experiment. All of the vocals were generated using AI technology. Hopefully the show will sound different and better as the tech improves and as we improve at using it. I'm Bob Meese, hoping you have an amazing day. We'll get together again soon.